Marshall slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Watt looks up, taps it back to Donov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Watt sets up to Donov! Knights five, Blackhawks four! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lvsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two, rolling right along. VGK Insider Show, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman with you until 6 o'clock as we break down Tampa and Florida. That game 0-0 heading into the second period. The Florida Panthers need to win in order to stave off elimination. And then they've just got to do that three more times against a Tampa Bay Lightning team that does not lose back-to-back games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So we're keeping an eye on Florida-Tampa. We've got you set for Colorado-St. Louis. We're going to get into the big talking point. That's, of course, the hit um, or not so much the hit, but the play with Nazem Kadri knocking Jordan Binnington out of the second round at least of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll get into Milan Lucic and Mike Smith. And also, I think my favorite, um, what's the word I'm looking for? My favorite altercation of the weekend had nothing to do with Mike Smith or Milan Lucic. It had nothing to do with Nazem Kadri and Jordan Binnington. It had everything to do with Tony D'Angelo yelling at Gerard Gallant. It was fantastic. We're going to get into that in our playoff overreactions here. Then we'll get to one-timers and finish it off with the always fun, always entertaining, always engaging catching up with Chapman to round out a fun Monday afternoon. But let's get into it. And, And to be to be honest, like I'm going to start with the Blues and the Colorado Avalanche because, as we mentioned, no score, Tampa, Florida. It doesn't really matter all that much to me, the Tampa, Florida series. It's effectively over. I do not believe the Florida Panthers are going to come back, but we'll get there, I promise. Um, Chapman, let, let's talk about the Blues. And, and the reason that I want to talk about the Blues is less to do with Nazem Kadri and Jordan Bennington and more to do with Billy Huso and what – you have to get out of Vili Husso in these remaining games here in the second round. Vili Husso has to be good in order for the St. Louis Blues to win. And the the concern that I have, and Darren did such a great, like the St. Louis Blues should hire Darren Millard. Really, if you have anything that you need spun in a positive direction, you should look to hire Darren Millard because he can spin the best of the best of the best. The worst situations can all of a sudden become rose-colored glasses. I'm telling you, Darren does a phenomenal job with it. By twisting and turning this into, well, all that really happened for St. Louis is that they lost their backup goaltender, while in theory that may be true. Yes, to start the playoffs, Jordan Bennington was the backup goaltender for the St. Louis Blues until their starter, Billy Husso, proved through three playoff games against the Minnesota Wild that he could not handle it in the postseason. He simply couldn't. Here are the numbers for Vili Husso, and and then after that I'm going to give you the numbers for the backup Jordan Binnington. Vili Husso is 
one and three in four games played with a 338 goals against average and an 891 save percentage. Compare that to his backup, Jordan Binnington, four and one, a 1.72 goals against average and a 949 save percentage. Jordan Binnington started to get that mystique about him. He had that air of, I'm not going to be beaten, that we've seen once before from Jordan Binnington, and that was, of course, in the St. Louis Blues run to a Stanley Cup championship. This one hurts, not because you're, 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 you know, you have another option in, in Vili Husso. It hurts because Jordan Binnington was, was in and on another level. He just was. And for the Blues, like, I don't think, I don't have any confidence in Vili Husso giving them the type of goaltending that they're going to need. What say you, Chapman? Like, do you think Vili Husso is going to be able to come into this one in game four, in game five, in game six or seven, if we get there? Do you think that the St. Louis Blues are going to get the quality of goaltending they're going to need, or at minimum, not such a huge drop-off from Jordan Bennington that they're going to be able to overcome the Colorado Avalanche. Well, I think there's a couple of ways to look at this, right? Because as you mentioned, Jordan Bennington came in and he was playing lights out. He was playing like a guy who was yeah. not going to be beaten. Um, out of his mind. But and, and, I, and credit to you because I think you were the one who said it. When Jordan Bennington is playing like he wants to be the starter, like he has to take mm-hmm. that job, He's a different goalie than he is when he's got the job. And he was playing a lot like that guy who was was fighting to be the starter. Billy Huso hasn't played a game in, like, about two weeks, maybe longer. Uh, We got to go back to game three against the Minnesota Wild, and he was not very good in in two of those three games he played. He was great in the first game. He was terrible in games two and three, and, and Craig Berube made the right call in making the switch. I guess that's the benefit to having a goalie on the bench who's won a Stanley Cup. Um, mm-hmm. Vili Husso, I, I don't know what to expect because there, there's two ways he can go. He could say, you know what? I have a second lease. I have a second opportunity here. I'm going to play like the goalie I, I did in the regular season where I, I probably was one of the top five goalies in the league. Or I'm going to just go out and play the way I was playing before I got benched. I don't know if the moment was too big for Vili Husso to be the number one goalie in a team that had aspirations of winning a Stanley Cup because I think St. Louis certainly feels like they can. Like, I don't think St. Louis was a team that was just happy to be there. I think they're a team that felt that they have the the, the guys on their roster to to raise the cup again. A lot of guys had raised the cup. Uh, So I don't know what to expect. My gut tells me Vili Husso is not going to be the regular season Vili Husso. My gut tells me... Mm -hmm he's going to be the guy who maybe the moment was a little too big for. Yeah, I I tend to believe you and and tend to kind of align with your thought process on that. Now, Vili Huso could go out and be phenomenal, and that would be great because I I would really like St. Louis, Colorado to go close to the distance. Six or seven games is kind of what I'm hoping for out of that one. Um, But I, I don't know that I buy it right now. Like, if you... If you were struggling against Minnesota, and, and this is no disrespect to the Minnesota Wild who have Kirill Kaprizov and do have some offensive talent, but if you were struggling to find your game against a Minnesota Wild team that was completely shut down when Jordan Bennington got into the fold, um, 
I don't think you're going to be able to shut down the Colorado Avalanche. I, you need your best against Colorado. And that, that brings me to my next point. The Colorado Avalanche, we were talking about them on Friday, about how disjointed the commentary from Nathan McKinnon was after the game in which they lost because you're just saying, listen, you have to at some point learn from your past mistakes. You cannot dwell in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You just can't. If you let an opponent get in your head, you're already defeated. And I felt like that was creeping in for Colorado until game three, until they showed up and absolutely were the better team against the St. Louis Blues. Now, the thing that I that I'm looking at here with with Colorado is I I want to call them different. I want to say that they are a different hockey club today than they were last year against Vegas than they've been over the last 3 or 4 seasons. I'm not confident in it right now, but I just don't think that you are going to be able to beat Colorado with anything less than your best lineup. And you want to make the argument that Jordan Binnington is the backup? That's fine. He wasn't playing like a backup. He was going to be the guy that was going to get the starts, period, full stop. So unless you have your number one goalie and your best lineup available, I don't think you're beating this iteration of the Colorado Avalanche. Well, here, here's the problem. Like, Vili Husso is more than capable of going out and playing a great game tonight. There's there's no reason to think that he couldn't. My my problem and, and where I think there's a mass, massive advantage for Colorado, you're now looking at game four. I don't think Vili Husso can do this three of the next four games against the Colorado Avalanche. I think that's why I lean towards now advantage Colorado, aside from the fact they're up two games to one, but I just don't have the confidence that Vili Husso is going to be able to go down and shut the Colorado Avalanche down for three of the next four nights, and that's assuming you can even get to a game seven. Like, he, he, he is stepping into a position where... He needs to be stellar. He needs to be elite. He needs to stand on his head because Colorado is that good. They have so many different ways they could beat you. And I I, I kind of feel bad for Vili Husso because he lost his job and now he's getting it back due to injury. But this is why goalies are paid the big bucks. This is why you 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 play the game. This is why as a goalie, you when you're a kid, right, there's a reason why you you continue to play goalie after after um, maybe you have the option to go to another position because you want these moments. So for really Huso, this is his opportunity. This is his moment. But I just don't know if he's capable of doing it. What was your thought on the Nazem Kadri play? I didn't think it was as bad as a lot of people were making it out to be. I mean, I I I, I think there was definitely. A change in trajectory when who was it Callie Rosen that he 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 uh, yeah. had the contact with. I I don't particularly think it was intentional. I think this is a guy who I think a lot of times we jump to conclusions with because of his his past history, right? I mean, he took mm-hmm. Justin Falk out last year and he was suspended for that. I think if the league felt that Nazem Kadri did something malicious, I feel like there wouldn't have been any hesitation on their part. To suspend them because they've done it in the past. Where where I right. have an issue, I have an issue with the fact that this guy's receiving death threats. And and yeah. there and and I'll be honest, I think the, the lack of comments or concern by the St. Louis Blues and their fans, or or more specifically their players and their coach, I think mm-hmm. that that's that speaks volumes to me. 
The fact that when Craig Berube was asked about it, his reply was no comment. David Perron was asked about it. He he kind of gave a long-winded no comment answer. I feel like that they they should have taken a stand. Like no, it's wrong. You you should not be doing this. And I don't feel like they got they they got that. And I think I'll be honest. I think that's going to piss off Colorado. Like I think I think Nazem Kadri and the Avalanche are going to say, hey, you know what? These guys are okay with what's going on because if they weren't, they would have said something to to, to kind of quell it. So number one, it's, it's ridiculous. Like plays in a game should not lead to that type of behavior off the ice by so-called fans. It's it's irresponsible. It's reprehensible. There's no. There's literally no room for it in the game, and yet here we are talking about it again. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that Jordan Bennington got hurt. It is. I don't view that as Nazem Kadri's fault. Like, I, I understand that if you don't want to buy into, well, he was pushed. He wasn't pushed. He he hit Callie Rosen. And the trajectory of the force from hitting Callie Rosen put Nazem Kadri on top of Jordan Bennington. That type of collision happens often in the NHL. Unfortunately, in this situation, Jordan Bennington got hurt. There are plenty of times where goaltenders will get that level of contact, bounce right up, be okay. But when you have Craig Berube come out and talk about Nazem Kadri's reputation after the game, that's that's where I take issue. Because if you look at that hit as anyone other than Nazem Kadri or that play as anyone other than Nazem Kadri, it isn't even a question of intent because there was none. There was no intent there, right? And so when you start thinking about reputation preceding the actual event that happens, then you get into a pretty dangerous spot. And it just fuels the ridiculous antics of fans that, that are just way too involved by in, in a game to, to get to a level where they are sending death threats and they are making comments to Nazem Kadri. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. And to be honest, Chapman, I think you're right. Like the Colorado Avalanche, they are protective of Nazem Kadri. They are protective. Like Gabe Landeskog was fantastic. In a game earlier in the year where there was a questionable play or a questionable hit, Nazem Kadri got dinged, for, I think, for a five in a game. He came out post-game and said, that's not anything that would happen to any other player. It's only because of Naz and his reputation. And I think at some point you have to divorce the reputation from the play and ask yourself if this was random player from random team who'd never been suspended before. Are we even talking about this outside of, unfortunately, Jordan Bennington got hurt? Well, no, no, we're no not. we wouldn't be. And, to be. and to be honest with you, and to be honest with you, like, I'm all for personality. I'm all for antics. I'm all for having a little bit of fun. But, like, Jordan Bennington, what are you doing throwing water bottles at somebody after the game? Like, go get well, your treatment. Go relax. Go do your thing. Like, that's ridiculous. Grow up. Well, let's let's take it a step further. This is the same guy who swung a stick at Nazem yeah. Kadri. So, sure. Bennington isn't innocent when when it comes to uh, uh, off the ice antics. I guess is, mm-hmm. is probably a way way yeah. to you know. And and I'm not saying that sure. that had any bearing on on Kadri. You know. With, with on that particular play, but certainly Jordan mm-hmm. Bennington, the fact that he's being painted in, in this as being like some innocent bystander. I mean, look, it's unfortunate what happened, but 
the idea that that Kadri purposely injured injured Bennington and and it got the reaction that it's gotten from St. Louis Blues fans, it's disgusting. And as an organization, yeah. the St. Louis Blues should have called it out. Like they should have taken a stand yeah. because you know damn well if the shoe was on the other foot and it was one of their players who was receiving death threats mm-hmm. and the Colorado Avalanche yeah. were, were kind of laissez-faire when it came to making a statement about it, I would imagine mm-hmm. that the St. Louis Blues would be pretty pissed off and Craig Berube would be one of the first guys out there saying, well, this shouldn't be happening. So sure. I, 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 I just have an issue with the lack of 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 a stand taken by the Blues, that they're okay and, and I shouldn't say they're okay, but the, their statements seem to indicate, or lack of statements seem to indicate, that they don't really care that Nazem Kadri got death threats. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I, I don't know that, you know, as, as ridiculous as this is going to sound, um, in the middle of a playoff series, I don't know that you're going to get much of, much more of that from anybody. No, like, I'm not just going to say... That, that it's Craig Berube or David Perron or whoever was the guys or, or were the guys that were answering the questions. Like, I don't think that anybody is going to give you anything in the middle of a playoff series because that's what hockey culture tells us to do in the middle of a playoffs, right? Like, you're only focused on one thing. It's out of your control. You don't have any focus on it. You don't have any 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 thought process on it. So you're not going to answer to it. And, and I don't think that that's correct. I don't think that it's right. But I think that that's kind of the mindset. Now, well, I, well, let's, let's direct the... Uh, real Go quick, ahead. real quick. I think it, what we've learned the last maybe 12 months about hockey culture is hockey culture mm-hmm. sucks, and it needs to change. Like, the fact that, quote, hockey culture uh, is what allowed what transpired in the Blackhawks organization mm-hmm. to transpire, I think that alone right there should have sent the signal that maybe hockey culture needs to change. And and I don't disagree with I you. I mean, it sucks. I don't disagree it, it really with does. you at all. Like, like, I just, I, and I understand I, what you're saying. I'm just telling you that's why, that's why you're not getting an answer. No, right? I like know, that, but that's why Craig Berube is up there saying no comment. Like, he's not going to comment on something if it, if it doesn't directly pertain to what is going on in the series. And whether or not Nazem Kadri is getting death threats, that doesn't have anything to do with the St. Louis Blues. I'm not saying it's right. I don't even like it. I'm just saying that that thought process is prevailing in hockey that. You talk about the series, you aren't a distraction, you're not going to allow distractions to get in, and therefore all distractions, however big or little they may be, are pushed to the side. No, and and, and, and I understand that. I mean, it, it's it's just unfortunate that we, and I'm not saying you, I'm saying we as in, as in the people who, who cover the sport, the people who are involved in the sport, that we allow that to yeah. continue because... At some point, we, we've all got to take a stand against, quote, hockey culture and stand up for what's right. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. So let's switch gears here and get to Mike Smith and Milan Lucic just because it's similar but different. Um, to me, there's a, a, an easier line to draw with Milan Lucic and Mike Smith than there was with Nazem Kadri and Jordan Binnington. Uh, what were your thoughts on... Uh, Lucic, Mike Smith, that collision, and the aftermath? Well, I think there's a lot to unwrap um, because I feel like Lucic was was trying to make a play. He knew what mm-hmm. he was doing, and I think mm-hmm. I think when you watch the video, you can see that he did pull up. I mean, it, it, it's I, I, 
I saw something on Twitter last night that made me chuckle a little bit, and it was, well, the only thing that could really stop Milan Lucic is the boards, and Mike Smith was in between him and the boards. Um, so I, I, I think it was dumb. I think it was it was kind of dirty, but I feel like mm-hmm. he got he got the, the the major, and I feel like it, it, it kind of it kind of was 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 the right call. Like I don't feel it's suspension worthy, um, but I, der- I I definitely don't think he he. I don't think it was an accident. I'll, I'll put it that way. Like I feel like he okay. knew what he was doing, but I think he mm-hmm. once he once he realized what he was doing, I think he tried to pull up because I think if he wanted to just destroy Mike Smith, Milan Lucic is a guy who could have absolutely destroyed Mike Smith. Do you put any onus on Mike Smith in that situation? No, no, I don't because I I feel like the goalie has a right to play the puck. I mean, he was in he was in mm-hmm. the trapezoid. So I feel like he he had every right to be there and every right to play that puck, but I I I don't think that that I mean maybe he leaned into it a little bit. I don't think he he I don't think the onus is on him in any in any regard. I mean I think I think if that well, was the, he 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 made he made a couple of moves right like so he had the puck he puts it down on the ice he goes like he's going to go up the right and then I think he. I think there's an argument to be made that Mike Smith heard the footsteps, understood it was Milan Lucic, and instead of going right around the net, he turned back left into Lucic, and and, and the contact was initiated. See, I, I'm not I, saying Mike Smith initiated contact, I, but I do think that there was a degree of understanding who was in on the forecheck, understanding what kind of predicament that could put everybody in, and and making sure that Mike Smith was going to be in the line for Milan Lucic to hit. See, I don't I don't know if if I if I'm if I if I'll buy that because I feel like Mike Smith in that mm-hmm. in that case would have put himself at serious risk of injury and I feel yeah. like Mike Smith is playing so well in this series outside of the first 8 minutes of game 1 that I don't know if he, sure. if he would want to because right he went out and got the concussion protocol and he came back into the game. So I feel like Mike Smith. Yeah, and then, and then allowed, and then allowed a goal. <laughs> yeah. Like do, you, you, you want to know what my chaos scenario was for you? Mike Smith comes back into the game, allows four goals, and then they lose. That was my chaos scenario. <laughs> like just stay in concussion protocol, buddy. Like come on. Yeah. What are you doing here? I, I, um, I think he so, wants so to be in take, there. Yeah, my take initially was that it was a, a, a garbage hit from Milan Lucic. Now that being said, um, and I was, I was. Pretty pretty well vilified on Twitter for having that uh, that commentary because everyone noticed, everyone pointed to. Well, he he stopped up, he he let up, he didn't hit him with full force, he didn't really charge him, he didn't do this, he still initiated contact with the goaltender and drove him through the boards. Like as much as Lucic held up, it was still a violent collision that knocked Mike Smith from the game and could very well have given him a concussion. Now, you can argue that that's the boards. Again, Milan Lucic still did finish Mike Smith through the boards. That all being said, you look at it on replay, the principal impact was not as great as the as the follow-through actions from the hit, meaning Milan Lucic did not hit Mike Smith hard enough for Mike Smith to go careening, crashing heavily into the boards. There was a degree of embellishment from Mike Smith after feeling the contact from Milan Lucic. I think we can all agree, both guys, probably not the smartest decision. You understand it more from Lucic's perspective because everyone knows he let up. 
I don't really get it from Mike Smith's perspective. You don't need to flop like that. You don't need to go down like that. It could have been very, very bad for the Edmonton Oilers. Fortunately, both guys are likely going to be playing tomorrow, and there will be added fuel to the fire of the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, that's just what we need, right? A little little more gasoline on, on the fire. But, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of a – and, you know, we have the benefit of watching it on slow motion multiple times, multiple angles – so, you know, I, I feel like we can analyze it a lot more. But my first reaction, like when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, my God, this is mm-hmm. what what is Lucic doing? Like, what a terrible mm-hmm. garbage play. Yeah. But then you watch it multiple yeah. times. You could see he pulled up. And like I said, if he wanted to destroy Mike Smith, he absolutely could have. Um, I, sure. I, I can't I, I don't know who it was. But when there was the, the scrum afterwards, somebody cracked Lucic with the stick. Like you see him get whacked <laughs> with the stick. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. not good. But yeah, I I I think tomorrow night is going to be a a I hate the the term barn burner because I think it's like so sure. cliche, but it was the first thing that popped in my mind. Tomorrow night is going mm-hmm. to be I I I think it's going to be an, an absolutely slugfest between these two teams. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we get out of the Battle of Alberta tomorrow. Now, here here we go. Um this is my favorite altercation of the Weekend in the NHL, it came courtesy of former Golden Knights head coach Gerard Gallant and everyone's favorite player, Tony D'Angelo, with the Carolina Hurricanes. The Rangers get back in the series uh, with a 3-1 win over the Hurricanes in game number three. And after the game, so the game winds down and Max Domi is out there doing Max Domi things. He cheap shot late in the game. Um fight ensues all of a sudden the 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 audio the 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 television they catch tony d'angelo jawing at gerard gallant gerard gallant jawing at tony d'angelo at one point you can see gallant tell d'angelo to go and you know to just expletive himself It, it it really honestly like it was phenomenal in that tony d'angelo is sitting there after his team loses a game and is arguing with a coach that would likely go out there and beat him, like just beat the crap out of him. And that's the beauty of Tony D'Angelo. We're talking about a guy that was a former New York Ranger that got into a fight with his goaltender and then was bought out of his contract, right? Like that's Tony D'Angelo. And it, as if it's not embarrassing enough to get beat up by your own goalie and then blacklisted from your team, now in the playoffs against your former team, you're arguing, you're yelling, you're screaming at a coach that had nothing to do with your tenure whatsoever in New York. It's ridiculous. And Gerard Gallant was asked after the game what his thoughts were. No, I wasn't happy with the, you know, the bullshit at the end of the game that they initiated, you know, I mean... We didn't do that when the games were close. We put, you know, they put their guys on. That's fine. If they want to play like that, we got the guys that can match up. I don't like it at the end of a game. The game's over. You know, we get, we've still got four games to go with those guys. I mean, they're not sending any message. We got the guy that can handle all their guys if we want to. And we didn't, we don't, I know we didn't do it like that, but Domi took a cheap shot of their defenseman and, you know, you, you got a lot, you got a long memory in this. You think about things and, the, like I said, might be on the other foot someday. So there's a couple of things there. One, Ryan Reeves will fight somebody. It will happen, right? Like 
You cannot, if you're Max Domi, you cannot go out there and do that and not expect the bell. Same thing with Tony D'Angelo. And frankly, I would love to see Gerard Gallant versus Tony D'Angelo because Tony D'Angelo, <laughs> they might they might throw hands in the handshake line. That would be phenomenal. Like, is there a coach outside of Gerard Gallant? And, and you know, maybe maybe the coach he's up against, Rob Brindamore, like there are a handful of coaches in the NHL you do not want to get into a fight with. Gallant and and Brindamore are probably right up there for me. Yeah, if, if you see pictures of Brindamore like without his suit jacket on, the guy the guy's got some some guns. Like like when he's wearing the t-shirt, the gun shows on because Brindamore is 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 a pretty pretty muscular guy. I mean, I don't know how old he is, but he's in great shape. Gallant, I mean, you could just go back and watch some of the old school videos. I watched one today of him beating the snot out of Chris Chelios and uh you know, he he's a guy who who's an old school player. He's an old school coach. Like he still has that old school mentality. Like there's a couple guys around the league that are like that. Like I think Baruby would kind of not be the guy you want to get into a fight with. But yeah, Gallant, he's not afraid to speak his mind. I mean, we got to see that here. You know what else I noticed about that video? He was wearing the lucky blue suit. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But um yeah, no, you know he he so, did he did he he didn't mention Reeves by name, but I think we all knew what he was talking about when he insinuated. And I'll say this: I think that's kind of the benefit of having a guy like that because when you have a situation, you can send a guy out to send a message like, "Hey, you know what? What you did was was baloney. We're not going to tolerate it, and now you're going to pay for it." Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting. Like I. All of these series right now, with the exception of Florida-Tampa, which has really no fireworks to go, um, like I, I think that it can get real nasty real quick over the next two days. You've got St. Louis, Colorado tonight. You've got the Battle of Alberta tomorrow. And you've got two teams that clearly do not like each other. And it permeates all the way to the bench between Tony D'Angelo and Gerard Gallant with the New York Rangers and the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Perhaps, and I don't know, this is me just spitballing here, Chapman, perhaps Carolina should focus a little bit on winning a game on the road, more so than trying to fight the opposition coaches. Yeah, what are they, 0-4 on the road in the playoffs yet to win a game? 0-5. 0-5? They haven't won a game. Unbelievable. They haven't won a game on the road. That, that, yeah. that to it's, me it's, is like, unbelievable. They may very well, Chapman, get to the Eastern Conference Final without having won a game on the road. The problem is that means they would have gone undefeated at home. Um, I I don't think I don't think if they get to the final of the Eastern Conference that that strategy yeah. will hold up against Tampa Bay Lightning because I do feel like Tampa will not be intimidated going into going into the storm surge going into Raleigh for that game. Um, you know it, it, it's going to be fun because I feel like tomorrow night there's going to be some fireworks in that one as well, and I think yeah. that's why you go out and you get a Ryan Reeves. Remember. The Rangers got tougher in a lot of different facets because, well, quite honestly, sure. they didn't like Tom Wilson ragdolling their star. And they went out, yeah. they made a commitment in the offseason, they brought in some tough players, they brought in a tough coach who wasn't going to tolerate it. So, uh, listen, Carolina, I don't know if they if they stirred the hornet's nest, so to speak, but there might mm. be a lion sighting tomorrow night in the jungle in, in Madison Square Garden, in the concrete jungle of New York City. There it is. That is playoff overreactions. We got into uh, the meat and potatoes of, of really what's going on right now in all four of the 
second-round series, including the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. It appeared that Alex Kalorn had scored. The puck was out of play. A lengthy review takes that goal off the board. So, hey, still scoreless halfway through the game, halfway through the second period. We're back with one-timers next on the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. News and notes from around the NHL. We'll start this one off with the Toronto Maple Leafs because... What, what are we doing if we're not talking about the Leafs? <laughs> they sign Mark Giordano to a two-year contract extension, average annual value $800,000. So you get a former Norris Trophy winner in Mark Giordano who fit in really well with what Toronto did in their stellar seven-game series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, and you get him cheap, like, I mean, legit league minimum cheap so how could you not like how could you not love this deal if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs I say you have to Jordano's still good um, this is massive for Toronto who has to be flexible with what they do money this offseason yeah I like the move as well I, I think Giordano is a, is a, a quality guy um, former captain brings some stability to to that blue line for them uh, a guy who performed pretty well for him, and he's from Toronto. So uh, why not? Why not make that uh, make that signing if you're them? Look, I, I think this team may have one more opportunity before things start to get a little little dicey. Um, so so yeah, bring in that veteran presence, keep him there, and and I think the fact that they got him on such a good deal, I think that's a win for everybody. Except maybe Giordano's yeah, um, agent. I think he probably would have liked a little <laughs> bit more money. Well, I. I think that Giordano just wants to be a Toronto Maple Leaf, right? Like, I think that he wants to try to win a Stanley Cup in that organization and, and with that team. And, you know, the only way to do that in a salary cap world is to have some players take a hometown discount. And this qualifies as a hometown discount. Now, I want to get into another contract extension that is not necessarily a hometown discount, though I don't think it's a bad contract at all. The Pittsburgh Penguins have signed Brian Rust to a six-year, $30.75 million contract extension. Carries a $5.125 million average annual value. (sighs) I like Brian Rust. I really do understand why you're looking at locking him in. He plays well with Sidney Crosby. He's younger than Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. But does this send a mixed signal to you, Chris? Like, do you think that they're, that the Brian Rust contract means the end of the of the line for Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin? Yeah, I mean, remember a couple a couple of days ago we talked about a, uh, a situation where Crosby was unhappy with the contracts being offered to those two guys, and now you go out and you sign Rust to a big extension, he's going to get a bump up of about a million and a half dollars in his contract. So, uh, you know, this is this is this is the league. Sometimes you have to make tough choices, and the Penguins are going to have to make a tough choice. I think they'll keep one of them. I just don't know which one. I want to guess Latang, 
But, mm-hmm. I mean, they're both 35 years old. If you're Pittsburgh, do, do you really want to commit to either one of those guys knowing that maybe maybe you have to start looking towards the future? So, I like, I, I, I think you can only do one guy. Right, like I think, I think it's one or the other, and the reason being is the Pittsburgh Penguins have just 15 players under contract next year, and only 24 million dollars to work with after the Brian Rust contract. So unless Evgeny Malkin is going to take a significant pay cut, unless Chris Letang is going to take a significant pay cut, I don't know how you sign both guys and then get all the other pieces you need in order to try to win one more Stanley Cup with Sidney Crosby. I just don't see it. Now, that being said, which one means more? I don't know. Like, Malkin's been marginally bad at 5-on-5. The majority of his points this year have come on the power play. He looks, to me, like a guy that's lost a step. And then Chris Letang can either be the greatest defenseman in the world or an absolute pylon. There's no in-between. He's hot, he's cold, he's up, he's down. That's what he is. So, I don't know. Like, Is there one that needs to retire a Penguin more than the other? I guess is the main question, Chad. Well, I I mean, probably not. I mean, listen, if Marc-Andre Fleury did not play his entire career in Pittsburgh. I don't really know if Evgeny Malkin or Chris Letang need to play their entire career in Pittsburgh. I know that, that the two of those guys were a bit more instrumental in in helping the team win win some cups. But, I mean, Marc Andre Fleury was Mr. Penguin. Like, he he was that guy. He was the face of the franchise. Even when he was the backup, I kind of feel like outside of Sid, he was kind of like the face. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe the Penguins, maybe they'll make a, make a, a trade in the offseason. I mean, I, I kind of feel like maybe Jason Zucker's name is, is possible as far as being a guy who could be moved. Um, you know, he's 30. He does have a, a no-movement clause, but he's $5.5 million, and he's entering the last year of his deal. Maybe Pittsburgh moves a guy like that to try to make a little more cap space so they can re-sign both guys. But, again, you mentioned they don't have the numbers of guys being under the contract because Evan Rodriguez is also a free agent, and I would imagine that they, they probably would want to re-sign him because I feel like he's a pretty good young player for them. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be a real interesting offseason for the Penguins, and, and I think we'll find out soon enough if they're going to re-sign one, try to re-sign both, or maybe let both of them walk. So I want to contextualize something here in regards to Connor McDavid. Ten games played, 23 points for Connor McDavid, a round and a half into his Stanley Cup playoffs, Connor McDavid would have been tied for the points lead in the following years 2019, 2015, 2012, 2011. Each one of those years, 2011, 2012, 2015, 2019, featured the leading scorer in the playoffs to top out at 23 points. In 2019, it was Ryan O'Reilly and Brad Marchand. In 2015, it was Patrick Kane and Tyler Johnson. In 2012, 
Andre Kopitar and Dustin Brown had just 20 points. He would have been three clear of the two highest scoring players <laughs> in 2012. And David Krejci had 23 in 2011. Just to give you an idea, all of those players played four rounds. So at, at minimum, 10 more games than Connor McDavid did. 10 more games, and yet he would have won the scoring race in all five of those seasons with his total through just 10 games. <laughs> you Astounding. You, you can't make it up. Like, that's the... It, no, he's, it, you, you, you can't. Um, you know, the, 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 the way I look at it, at this point, the Oilers need to keep winning games because I want to see if he if he can actually beat that record held by Wayne Gretzky. I mean, it. You, you he, know, he's halfway there. You, he's halfway there. You, you bring up a really good point um, <laughs> because I, I absolutely want to see Connor McDavid go to the Stanley Cup final. Not because I want to see Connor win a Stanley Cup. I just want to see if he can hit fifty points. Yeah, in yeah. the playoffs. Give me that. That's it. I, that that's that, it. That to me <laughs> is more intriguing. In that's more intriguing than whether or not the Oilers win win a Stanley Cup. That that seems like a good point. I don't, I don't even All right, care. That's going to do it for. I don't even care if they win the cup. Yeah, I know. That's going to do it for one timers. Brought to you by Paul, Paul Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee for today, Monday, May twenty third. We're back to wrap it up next. Catching up with Chapman. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, Ryan, uh, we are at the point now where school is ending for, uh, you know, our our kids. Um, My son has Mm -hmm. two more days of school and uh, just want to give him a big shout because he received multiple awards um, at his school's awards night the other night. Um, He's gone, believe it or not. Two straight years with straight A's. He got one B in three full years of middle school. So uh, definitely does not take after me in that regard. But uh, <laughs> it, it's it's like, oh, my God, the kid's gotten straight. I, I, I drove him to school this morning and I told him, you know what? You know how many times I got straight A's? None. Mm-hmm. And he did it for almost three wow. full years of junior high school. So um, I know he's not listening. but motivational? Uh, no, I just told him, I said, I'm proud of him because it's not something I could do. Nice. I still couldn't do it. But nice. it's funny. I got good grades in college, not in the years leading up to college. Can't explain it. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. cool on him. Two more days and he's a high school student. Scares the hell out of me. Yeah, it should. It's awesome, though. Congratulations, Kingston. You did something your dad did not do, but that's great. We're back with you tomorrow right here on the VGK Insider Show. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you then.